Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Good morning, everyone. If I could have the kiddos in first through sixth grade come on up again and join me on the stairs. Um, As they're coming up, um, as BJ mentioned earlier, um, when it's fifth Sunday here, it's family Sunday. So we invite the kiddos to come up and we do um, a little children's moment with them, which is kind of just a teaser um, of what Matt is going to share um, in a little bit. So yeah, you guys can crowd around. You can turn this way. Hi, good morning. How is everyone? Wow, there's a lot of you. All right. Okay, so I have a question for you guys. Are you ready? Okay. Have you ever been accused of something that you didn't do? Yes. Maybe something's happened and assumes that you did something and they're blaming you, but you didn't do it, right? What about has your family ever accused you of doing something that you didn't do? Oh, everyone just got real quiet out here. No, I have a four-year-old, and sometimes she has said things, and I'm like, no way. And, and they're true, and, but I didn't believe her right away. How does that make you feel? Does it feel a little weird when you're trying to say something that's true, and someone, maybe that's close to you, doesn't believe you? It can be a little frustrating, right? Yeah. Well, what if I told you that Jesus went through something similar? Something like that happened to him, too. Um, today, in the service, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 3, Um, And that's what Pastor Matt's going to talk about today. But I want to give you a little glimpse of of what happened and how that happened to Jesus. So Jesus had just selected his 12 disciples. He had been performing miracles. We know what miracles are, right? We know those stories, right? So he had been healing people. He had been... um, answering some really hard questions, and he had been driving out evil spirits. So a lot of things were happening, and a lot of people were talking about Jesus. At this point, a crowd started to follow him everywhere he went, so much so that he couldn't even eat. So think about a famous person. Do they have a lot of people that follow them? Yeah. So that's what was happening. Jesus' family hears that Jesus is drawing these crowds and doing these things. And so they go to see where he is. They weren't in the same place. So Jesus hadn't seen his family in a while. Do you think they were happy to see him? Well, they kind of got into a little argument. Um, His family wanted to stop him from performing the miracles. They thought that he was crazy. Yeah, you guys are all like, what? What? Jesus' family thought that he was crazy. They didn't understand what he was doing. They thought that he was literally crazy, and they wanted to stop him. Should they have stopped him? No, but they tried. They really did. The Pharisees and other people were saying that Jesus was crazy, but this was his own family. His mom and his brother were calling him crazy. So think about that. Jesus is simply doing what he was sent to earth to do, and his own family, his mom, his brothers, they think he's crazy. Do you think, how do you think Jesus reacted? Do you think he got angry at them? 
No, you're right. He didn't. He didn't get angry. It would be really easy to be angry, right? Do you feel angry when someone doesn't believe you? Yeah. But Jesus didn't react in anger. He explains. Um, to those who are accusing him, he helps them understand what he's doing. And Matt, Pastor Matt's going to share in a little bit how he does that. But he gives them a visual, and he just explains to them calmly what he is trying to do. Um, that it is exactly what he's doing by performing miracles and working with the disciples to teach that we can go out and do the same thing. Jesus has come to rescue us from darkness and bring us into light. Satan is powerful. Jesus was working against Satan, not with Satan. Um, he is no match for Jesus. So I think as disagreements come up with our families, it's really easy for us to get angry and to want to argue. But if we want to look at Jesus and what he did, he, what we are saying and how we are saying it, I want you to think about your reactions when someone is disagreeing with you. Jesus always told the truth, even when it was hard. He always wants us to tell the truth too, right? Yeah. The more we tell the truth and show honesty, the more trust we gain from others. So I have a little saying for us. So can you repeat after me, okay? Pay close, pay close attention. I believe in being honest. Good. I believe in being true. That honesty should start with me. And all I say and all I do. Very good. So think about being honest. Think about being true. And if you are that, so all the people around you, then that will be expected of you, that when you say something, that you are showing honesty and that you are showing truth, like what Jesus did. Okay? Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Um, thank you for the life of Jesus and that he gives us an example in everything that he does. I pray that we can always tell the truth just as Jesus did, even when it is really, really hard. Please help us as we interact with members of our family this week that we can be truthful and that we can be trustworthy. Help us to look to you for wisdom and that our words and actions will honor you. In your name we pray, amen. Um, you guys can go ahead and back to your seats. And I'm gonna bring up Miss Remington. She is going to read the scripture for us this morning for what um, Pastor Matt is going to talk about today. Mark 31 through 35, the true family of Jesus. When Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, they stood outside and sent word for him to come and out and talk with them. There, were, there was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Well, good morning, everyone. 
It's nice to see all the kids in here. It's always fun to have uh, family. I know I like having my uh, daughters in with us whenever we're here, and they're up in the balcony, so they are excited to be in here with us. And I'm excited to be talking to you this morning about uh, the life of Jesus, uh, the family of Jesus. And some of the people, you know, honestly, it's not something that we talk a whole, whole lot about because... um, just from the uh, complete transparency place, we don't know like a hundred percent the details of his family. We're pretty, we have pretty good context clues, and there are some facts that we know for sure. Um, but there's some stuff even around that uh, that we sometimes wonder about. And so today we're going to dig into it a little bit. We're going to talk about Jesus and his life. And uh, if I have not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt. I'm a member here. And uh, it's just exciting to be here with you this morning to talk about uh, God's word. But before we jump into it, could you join me in, in a word of prayer? Dear God, we come before you this morning. We thank you so much for the families here. We thank you for the children here. We thank you for the people that are here. God, we just lift up all the issues, problems, and uh, struggles that the people here may be going through, things that are keeping them or putting a strain on their relationship from you. God, we know that uh, there are people here who are hurting. We know that there are people here who are struggling. And we also know that there are people here who are on fire for you in in ways that are exciting and new. And so, God, we just pray no matter where the people here are uh, this morning, that, uh, that you are present and that they are able to feel your presence, that they are able to um, hear your word and receive things from it. And God, we are just so thankful for you and for your word and for your son. And so uh, this morning we just say thank you and we lift you up. In your name we pray. Amen. So, like I said, it's not something that we talk a lot about when we talk about Jesus's family. I mean, honestly, I grew up in the church. I've been going to this church for my whole life. And then even into college, I did not hear a lot about um, Jesus's family, even to the point where I was, until I actually studied it myself, I was even unsure that I didn't know that he had brothers and sisters and stuff because there's really quick little uh, clues throughout scripture to tell us about them. And so uh, it's something that I thought we'd dig into a little bit. And uh, if you're like me and and you had been uh, maybe unaware that he had a family or beyond uh, Mary and Joseph. We're, we're pretty familiar with Mary and Joseph. We know the Christmas story, so we know who his mom and dad were, well, his stepdad. Um, and then uh, we see in, um, in Mark 6 is one of uh, the best kind of uh, clues that we get to his more extended family. In Mark 6, um, it says right here, 6-3, um, well, it's actually, we'll, we'll just read the whole thing. Um, Jesus left its, uh, the part of the country and returned to, with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogues, and many who were, uh, heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all of this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. So we know that he at least had four brothers. Uh, We know that he had at least a couple sisters. Uh, And kind of like I did last time when we were preaching, there's a couple of different ideas about um, the breakdown, the family breakdown. Uh, The most uh, widely held view is that uh, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph 
had more kids, and uh, he had a family, so these would all be his younger siblings. Um, there is a tradition out there uh, that um, believes that Joseph had kids prior to marrying Mary, um, and so that he had his own kind of family, so these would have all been um, like step-siblings uh, or half-siblings that were um, brought in, and so uh, that one is not as well. We don't have as much context uh, clues to give or any kind of like evidence to give to that one. The, the reason that some people believed that one is that there is a long-standing tradition within the Catholic Church of uh, Mary uh, retaining her virginity her entire life. And so if that happens, you can't continue to have kids um, unless they are like Jesus. And so they said, well, then those kids must have come from someplace else. Um, and so that is where we get that one. Uh, again, I don't hold with that one. What I hold is that these are Jesus's younger siblings, kind of straightforward. And so we see that Jesus had a family life, and we see that it was not all uh, <laughs> roses, uh, Jesus' family was broken. He had a lot of struggles within it and a lot of hurt. We don't get to see um, Jesus' internal reactions to this because we don't get to see her, like his internal monologue or his feelings as he was going through this. But I would assume, given that he was fully human, that uh, he felt a lot of pain and a lot of pain as a result of his family. And so... We're going to read the whole passage today. We're going to be talking about one of those times where he saw some hurt, where he probably had experienced um, a lot of pain brought to him by his uh, family. And so we're going to read a little bit more than what Remington just read. So um, she read the end there. We're going to read the entire uh, passage right now. And so that is Mark 3, 20 through 35. So one time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. What's funny is I was reading that, and I, it's just like we think to ourselves like, oh, how can something from 2,000 years ago be relatable? And it's just, I read that line, and I was like, as weird a coincidence as it is, something this year made me made a link to this. I was like, Britney Spears, right? Her family saw her acting strangely. They saw her acting in a way that they were like, that, that, that's, that's not right. And they went and they put her under a conservatorship, right? They took her and they said she is no longer fit. And so that's what Jesus' family was trying to do here. They said, he's having a mental breakdown. We're going to go collect him and we're going to bring him back with us to, um, and I just thought that was an interesting, like, this stuff still happens. Families don't change. It still acts the same way. We still experience these things. And Jesus' family is looking at him, and they're saying, he's embarrassing us. He's probably crazy, and we're going to go get him. Um, but the teachers of the religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, then how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter into a house of a strong man and plunder his goods? 
Only someone who is even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he is possessed by an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and they sent word for him to come out and talk with them. I just picture them all standing outside the house. He's giving this sermon and they're just sitting there waiting. They're like, we're going to, as soon as he gets out here, I, like Mary's talking to her other sons. As soon as he gets out here, you grab him and you, you know, you, you're going to throw him, you know, on the, in the cart and we're going to take him home. And uh, they're waiting for him. And then uh, someone comes in to talk to Jesus and it says, they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. Then there was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone replied, Your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. We see this um, idea of Jesus' family rejected him, rejecting him um, again in John and so in John 7, 1 through 6, or 1 through 9, it says, um, After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of, shel- of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. <laughs> you kind of have to read between the lines because it says here, he says, you know, leave here and go. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. And then five, it says, for even his brothers didn't believe him. So what was this little re- interaction at the beginning where, he's, where they're saying, go to Judea, yeah, where, where your followers are, where they can see your miracles. His brothers were trying, they were embarrassed by him. They were trying to get him out of town. They're like, get out, go, yeah, go ahead, go over there where all those people believe you and hang out over there because um, we just don't want you here anymore. You're embarrassing us. You're embarrassing our family. And the cool thing is Pastor Brandon um, sent me a little bit of, I, I'm just trying to build a little bit more context for Jesus' family. Uh, he sent me a book where it was breaking down some of the uh, history for Jesus' family. And one of the things that it talked about was the fact that we oftentimes uh, translate uh, what Jesus was as a carpenter into a carpenter um, when really it was the word was for builder. And so it had been uh, changed to carpentry because that's what most of the people uh, back then were practicing and when they built. But in that area, it was most likely that he was a stonemason or a builder of homes. And so you see his family was probably a construction family. And so you have this very blue-collar construction family. And you've got this one, like the oldest son who's out here doing crazy stuff. And the rest of them are like, you're going to hurt our business? No one's going to want us to come and build houses. No one's going to want us and, and do work with them because you are like this black sheep of the family. And this is the experience that Jesus has. Setting up prior to this experience that we read about in Mark, in Mark 3, right before that, Jesus had actually tried to talk to the people in his town. We see that in the John story, but he had tried that earlier too. And he goes into the synagogue and he tries to talk to the people, the people that would have been his family, his co-workers, the people that he did life with. And uh, they hated what he said because he said, basically said, I'm, I'm, G- I'm God, I'm the Messiah. And um, he's rejected. 
and he leaves his town. And so he's already felt this very severe rejection. He's felt it from every aspect of his life, his family, his neighbors, his co-workers. And so he is traveling around. So when we see this reaction that he has when his family comes, sometimes we are tempted to think that's pretty harsh of Jesus, right? Who is my mother? Who is my... Oh, don't you love them? That's, that's hard on them. He has been rejected time and time again by his mother, by his brothers, by the people in his family. And so he's saying those, those people, they claim there's a familial bond, sure, but they've rejected everything I've said. They don't believe who I am. They don't believe what I've done or what I'm going to do. And why they're here is not to hear me, like all of you, why they are here is to try and silence me and take me away. And so what he's actually doing here is he's saying, all of you are more like my family than they've been acting. Because all of you listen to what I have to say and believe me. And it's an interesting thing because even when he's talking about Satan in the passage that we see where he says, how can a house divide it? He's talking about family. He's saying, Satan, is his family functions more like a family than my own biological family does. He goes, because they are united in their fight against us. My own family has rejected me. We are a house divided and we will crumble. But he said, and he spins it, he's always, what the cool thing about Jesus is every one of his parables, every one of his words is so layered. He has everything layered in because what he wants you to do is he wants it to be accessible to even the very most infant of Christian all the young people here who can understand rejection, just like Emily was saying, I've rejected my daughters before when they brought me something and I thought, oh, this isn't important or you're wrong or that's dumb. So even the, even the youngest kids, yeah, I have, <laughs> uh, that's dumb. Uh, <laughs> not very nice. Um, but the truth of it is, is that we've all experienced this rejection so we can, we can access his words on that that level, But then as we start to peel back the layers and we start to experience more and more of what this world has thrown on at us, we start to see that his words have more layers and more deepness to them. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's something more to be taken. And so um, the key verse this morning as we're trying to figure out what exactly he's talking about and what, what, how do we keep from having this divided house, um, the key verse or the key um, point is that an unwillingness to trust one another within families breeds suspicion and judgment, which leads to embarrassment and rejection. The root of the problem in Jesus' family was the fact that they did not believe or trust him. See, we see that he, his family had a lot of pride in him early on. Again, we have small context clues. But when he is, uh, the one story we get from when he is younger, uh, he's left behind at the uh, temple, and he's surrounded by leaders, and all those leaders are so impressed by the amount of understanding he has of the scriptures. And so he's sitting there with all these essentially pastors, and he's having deep theological conversations at like the age of 10, 11. So his family had this sense of pride. They, they had this idea, and they come and they're amazed. All these people that interact with him are amazed. And so 
it's not that they're embarrassed to begin with. It's not like they come from this place where they're like, oh, he was a terrible child or anything. <laughs> Obviously, he's the son of God, so he is a sinless. He's going to be a person that brings about um, pride and who is a good child. And it's not until he starts speaking and he comes to a level where his family just cannot believe him. They cannot get onto this. And it's interesting to me how quickly we can turn. You think about this whole life that Jesus has had, where he's taken up the family trade. So he's done literally everything up until this point that a good Jewish son at that time should have done. He's bringing honor, pride to his family. And how quickly it can shift in like a year or two. His family doesn't allow all of that to carry into their relationship with Christ. They can't look at him and, and it's hard for them to understand what's happening, but it's, just, it's, it's hard for me to even figure out what's going on in that situation because um, Mary and them knew who Jesus was. And so they knew who, that he was the Savior, and yet even then, when he was speaking difficult things, they, just, they couldn't bring themselves to believe him. And what that did was deteriorate the relationship. And so why I bring that up is that it's even more so within our families, right? So someone who is not perfect, someone who is not, and I have, um, I'm raising two daughters, and they are not perfect. <laughs> they are not the messiahs. And, um, and when they mess up, there's a tendency for me to um, react harshly. And it is even easier for me, what I, why I'm saying this, it's even easier for me to slip into that rejection than I think it would have been for Christ's family. Christ's family who knew who he was, who had had pride their entire life to the point up where he had been like a perfect child <laughs> to the point there where they still can reject him. So I, I say that because this is something that happens in every family. And it is something that we all, I think, can experience to some extent. But it is something that we have to try to fight against. And we see Jesus dealing with it in really, really cool ways. The first point that I want to make um, is just that rejection by family hurts. We read these stories, and if you don't think that Jesus was feeling pain when he was speaking that, then you don't understand who Jesus was. Jesus was fully man, fully human. And I don't know about you, but having a family completely reject you, I don't think anybody can, can uh, not experience hurt in that. I've talked to too many youth, too many people in counseling sessions who have had rejections, and they may put up a, uh, a tough face on the outside, but inside they are broken. One of the things I want to encourage us as Christians is that we have to try and not continue the cycle of hurt. There's a tendency a lot of times to say, oh, well, I went through it and I'm okay, <laughs> or this happened and, and, you know, it still turned out okay, or, you know what, it's just a, uh, it's just, I slip up every once in a while, you know, and when it comes to families, we're all going to slip up. But focusing on the 
remedy of those hurts, focusing on, and that's one of the points here we're going to go on, to try and fix those situations when rejection does happen. That is the way forward for a Christian. That is the way. It's, uh, the Bible tells us that um, the, true, the root of what Christ came to do was to reconcile us to God. Uh, that word reconciliation means make right. And so our goal as uh, Christians is to be reconcilers in this world. That's what the Bible tells us is that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That means to make right relationships. So our first goal is that even though rejection by a family hurts, and I'm sure every single one of you have felt to some degree a rejection from a family member or something, our first goal is to try and not get caught up in that hurt and let that emotion and that pain sink us down. We see that that's not how Jesus reacted. And there's some cool things at the end of the sermon here where we're going to talk about how Jesus never closes the door. That's that last point, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. The second is that uh, trusting isn't easy. We acknowledge that trusting isn't easy. So I'm not telling you that you just have to outright trust everyone in your family, like, and that's the solution, because it's, it's not. I picture Mary, where you, even though you know your son is the Messiah, and yet he's coming in and he's talking about uh, demons, and he's talking about kingdoms that are invisible, and he's talking about spirits and things, and it's just, that's not an easy thing to accept. That's not an easy thing to accept. And there are times um, in our lives when we have to face and we have to make a, uh, a choice on whether or not we are going to take the chance to trust in a family. Because trusting and hurting go hand in hand. A lot of times the reason why we've felt hurt in families is because we have trusted and that trust has been broken. Uh, but my encouragement is that even though Jesus has been rejected time and time and time again, he never stops those relationships. He never stops um, trusting those people in his family. And we, uh, we see this as his ministry progresses and as uh, his life is brought to an end, we see Jesus speaking to his family from the cross even. And so there's this idea of he, was never, he never cut them out. And he never stopped trusting um, that that family could be a family. Um, and so I, I want to encourage you that, yeah, acknowledging that trusting is not easy is kind of one of those first steps. And then coming in and saying, well, I'm going to try to work hard to do that. Um, and there's a lot of times I think of you in my own family, like my daughters will come to me and say, especially when they're fighting with each other, oh, she did this, she did that. Okay, uh, you are normally tell the truth, <laughs> you sometimes don't, um, and so who do I trust, you know, in this, and that's one of the things where a lot of times, if I think, a lot of times when I'm, there's a situation like that, um, my gut reaction is to go with what I think, because it's harder to sit down and, like, have a conversation and go through um, the work of trusting both of them and figuring out the actual truth of what happened. And that gets us right into number three, is that communication is key. In families, communication is key. We get into a place uh, where we get really comfortable in families. Uh, they're the people that we can have all of our barriers down. And so a lot of times they get all the ugliness, they get all the, uh, they get all the, the drama, all the things that maybe we keep bottled up in front of everybody else. 
And it's easy because we are comfortable to stop communicating. Um, in this passage, in the things that we see here, the main problem is obviously they didn't trust, but then they didn't communicate. I can't imagine. We never get a, uh, we never get a verse breaking down his family coming and, uh, and talking to him or just asking Jesus about his ministry. We can assume that they were around um, that they had been hearing some of his things, that they'd probably heard some of his talks in uh, their private life, and that he had probably tried to talk to them. I would assume that, I mean, if you are the Messiah and you know that you are the way to salvation, you are the life and truth, you're going to tell the people that you love the most, the people that are right here um, near you. And so I'm sure they heard that, um, but they had heard him and they had never talked about it with him. We see this because when they do end up doing that, almost all of them become Christians. <laughs> when, they, when they break down their barriers and they actually start to listen, um, they start to understand what's going on, then they become leaders in the church. Uh, and so often in families, when we're hurt or when we're struggling, we want to uh, stop communication. I don't want to talk to this person. Or I know what they think. <laughs> They've done it my whole life. Um, or I know what they're going to say because they always say this thing. That goes both ways. Sometimes you're the person who's thinking that way, and sometimes you are the person who says the same thing every time. And communication isn't about that. Communication is about having a conversation. And that's tough, especially the parent to, to child, uh, because when, when my kids come to me and they have an issue and they are trying to work through it and maybe they're upset with me or maybe they're upset with how I handled something or maybe I'm not understanding something, the thing that we do in our house is we try to sit down and actually work through it. We are very big proponents about trying to communicate uh, why we do things to our kids I know a lot of um, parents, it's like, well, because I said so, right? And for us, we just felt like that is, puts up barriers. Um, it makes it so that they don't feel like they can communicate with us, and we don't feel like that we can have an open communication with them. So what we do is we, even last night, um, one of my daughters wanted to do a, uh, a game. It was, it was yesterday afternoon. And the game was going to take a really long time. We didn't have time for it because we were going to a different event. And we sat down with her, and she was upset. And I said, you know what, or my, my wife said, she broke down our schedule. And she said, this is what we have to do, and this is what we have to do, and this is how long it's going to take, and that's why we can't play the game. But we'll try to play the game later. My daughter's attitude changed almost instantly, because she was like, oh, okay, I get that now. For about half an hour prior to that, we had just been saying no. We said no. And then she would ask again, no, <laughs> no, stop asking, right? You know, communication within families is key. Sitting down and talking and listening. And I can't imagine that, that Jesus' family had done a whole lot of listening, true listening up to that point. They were upset, they were angry, he was embarrassing them. They just wanted him to be quiet. That was their main goal, was to just make him be quiet. And that's not really when you're listening and having a communication, that's not... The goal, you know, not you want to hear the person has to say. And the final point 
is that Jesus does not close the door. And I've been saying this the whole time, is Jesus has felt all this rejection, and we see him deal with his family with some harshness. Uh, and I have to, to assume that that's somewhat to do with his pain. Also, just he was a frank person. Uh, he tended to just uh, say things the way that they were because um, he didn't want to uh, be misunderstood. And so he would be um, pretty frank. But we see him deal with his mom, his siblings, sometimes kind of harsh. And, uh, and we have a tendency to think, well, maybe, maybe that was how he always dealt with them. But again, I just don't, I can't, you can't believe that because of what happened at the end. I listed off of Jesus' brothers, um, the two that we know for sure that continued on to become huge parts of the church uh, were James and uh, his brother Judas, who went by uh, Jude. And so if those names sound familiar, it's because they wrote books of the Bible. Uh, James and Jude in our New Testament were written by the brothers of Jesus. Jude starts out by saying, uh, basically, this is me paraphrasing it, but he says, I am Jude, the slave to the master Jesus, is essentially what he's saying. I am, I am, never in my life am I going to say that about my sister. (laughs) How? I'm Matt, (laughs) the slave to, to my sister Jess, right? No, it's never, ever going to happen, and they will never do that for me. What they did is they listened, and they realized who he was. They listen. We see James talking about, um, he talks about, in his, in his book, he talks so much about action. We see he's the one that wrote uh, that faith without works is dead. And so uh, I, I read his book and I can't help but think it's, it's somewhat coming from a place of guilt where he was like, I heard this and I heard this and I heard this from my brother all my life and I didn't get it and now I get it and I have to do something about it. Because he wasn't listening. He wasn't listening to what Jesus was saying, what he was trying to bring to him. So I bring this, uh, this whole service is, uh, is kind of sad because we see a rejection to Jesus and we, we, that hurts us when we see um, our Savior being rejected or hurt. But for me, as I was doing research, as I was preparing for this sermon, it brought me a lot of peace First off, it brought me peace knowing that Jesus went through a lot of the same things that we all go through, the same things. And if, even one step further to talk about the hurt that he probably felt within family, we see at the end of his life, uh, Joseph, his father, isn't mentioned. Um, he's not mentioned coming to try and receive him. He's not mentioned at his crucifixion. So a lot of people either think there's one of two options, either Joseph died or Joseph was so ashamed of Jesus and never accepted him as who he was and stayed away. Either one of those is very sad. Either one of those, either Jesus had to deal with another massive rejection, or he had to deal with the death of his father. And so there's people in this room today, I know, who've probably gone through a lot of really, really hard familial things really, really hard, death of loved ones, brokenness, rejection, abuse. Here's the really cool thing about it, is that Jesus shows us that not only did he experience that, but he was able to work through it with his family, and he was able to, in the end, have good relationships. He was able to mend his family through reconciliation, 
He was able to bring peace to a family that was rocky, who was having trouble. That's what he's called us to do in our families, is to see the trouble and the hurt, acknowledge it. That's what those first couple of points were. Yes, I've been hurt in my family. Yes, I'm probably going to hurt my family. Yes, trusting is hard. And yes, I don't trust all the time. But because I have an example of Jesus Christ, because I've seen how he acted with his family, because he set down the instructions, not only about how we interact here, but he says you need to take that from here and go out into your own personal families. I know that I can be better. I know that I can do it, and I know that I can bring reconciliation into my family. And I can tell you from firsthand accounts, whenever I, when I humble myself, I open up communication and I just try to love people, man, barriers break down. We have reconciled a lot of broken relationships in our family, and it's really cool to see after years and years of people not talking or people being hurt, that start to be worked through, that process. So it's possible. It's an encouraging thing. It's a very, very cool thing to see Jesus um, experience these, these uh, same things as us. So I don't know where you are. And I don't know, maybe your family right now is just solid and tight. Well, keep it that way. Don't get lax. That's what happens is a lot of times when we, like I said, we get comfortable and we let those things slip and we break down our communication and we just, we break things down. So don't let that happen. If it's broken, there's hope. There's hope for reconciliation. There always is. I'm going to invite our uh, worship team to come up. And uh, as they do, I would invite you all to... uh, Join me in prayer. As they're playing this last song, like I said, I know that there's a lot of hurt in families. I know that there's brokenness that comes. If you're trying to mend your family, if you've been in a place, maybe you're not even there yet, you're just like, I'm just trying to process what I've gone through. These altars are open. This one to my right, people will come and pray with you. They'll help you work through that. To my left, You can come and pray by yourself, have that time with God. But I want to encourage you, if you need that time, if you need to come and pray, if you need to talk with someone, do that. Because one of the really cool things about God is that he's always there, he's always listening. He's always open for communication. Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we just, we thank you so much. We love you and we pray, we pray peace over our families. We pray reconciliation for broken relationships. God, we pray for the ability to trust. We pray for the ability to work past, past hurts. And uh, God, we just lift those things up to you. Thank you so much for sending your word. Thank you so much for sending your son. And God, we pray that... Uh, We listen not only to our families, but to you. We don't reject you. We don't reject your word. God, thank you so much. We love you. We praise you. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. 
Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.